The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my, my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven." Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. This is the Gospel of the Lord. As much as I personally, as a private citizen, just as an individual, as an American, love the Constitution and the Bill of Rights of the United States of America, they are, because they are not infallible and from God, a perfect document. Of course, like any system, like any set of rules and guidelines, they are open to abuse. Sometimes it's through misapplication where they take what it's intended to do, but they apply it to something altogether differently. For instance, I don't know how many years it was, but there was a big landmark case that made Hugh Hefner very happy. You see, they took the right to free speech in the First Amendment and they said, well, that applies actually to pornography, something that, of course, is undoubtedly wicked and exploitative and all of the other negative words you can think about it. And they say, well, free speech means you can print that stuff and you can publish it. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that Thomas Jefferson did not have that idea in mind when he was writing about free speech. Sometimes there is a willful misinterpretation that comes inside of the Bill of Rights. Okay? So the Second Amendment one that not many of us here in Iroquois County care about, right? The right to bear arms? Well, it says that the right to bear arms in the very simple text of the Second Amendment shall not be infringed. Now, we live in the state of Illinois. And if there is a glowing example of what it looks like to infringe on the right to bear arms, it is indeed in our state. And no, we were not given the right to bear arms just so we could hunt or even just so we could ward off home invaders. But the right to bear arms happened to be so that we could ward off a tyrannical and intrusive government. That's a sermon for another day. But other times of the Constitution, the imperfections of it are actually, I would say, inherent to the text itself, to the words itself, and yes, even to the intentions of its authors. Again, it's not the Bible, it can be wrong. And the thing that I'm thinking of this morning for my opening illustration is also in the First Amendment, and it is the free exercise clause about religion. Now, I do want to tread very carefully here, but from a Christian perspective, for all of the blessings that the First Amendment do allow, there are also some problems with it, even by its rightful reading. Of course, the free exercise clause of the First Amendment enables us, Lutherans, Christians, to gather together publicly and openly to worship our God. 
There is no government official who says that, nope, you've got to be Baptist, or you've got to be Catholic, or you've got to be Presbyterian. No, none of that. We get to be Lutherans, Lutheran Christians in this country freely. The gospel has free course. God be praised. The problem, however, is that the First Amendment liberally permits false religions, not just different forms of Christianity, but false gods altogether to stand right next to the Holy Trinity in the pantheon of gods. And while that is definitely a good enlightenment ideal from 400, 300 years ago and so on, it's really not a good Christian one. Not if you've ever read the Bible and understand what the one true God thinks about other gods being placed besides him. You see, that is a principle that has as its motivation tolerance, with a capital T like it is the highest virtue. But that's not the guiding light, the true north for Christians. Our true north is truth. What is actually correct? And so to understand this and this idea, let's look at the gospel lesson from this morning. Jesus is gathered with his disciples when they're in Caesarea Philippi, and he has an informal poll for them. Who do other people say that the Son of Man, that is himself, who do they say that I am? Who is this guy going around doing all these things? His work was public, people could see it, his reputation spread, his teaching. So with any public figure, there's going to be talk, there's going to be speculation, there's going to be ideas and theories about who he is and what he has come from. And if you think about it, of course, there's no media. There's no Fox News to turn on and see, there's that guy who's doing all that healing. That's what he looks like. Here are seven sources who say what he is. No. All there was was word of mouth between people in villages and hamlets and throughout the land and just guesses. And so the disciples answered honestly about the guesses that they had heard. Some people say that you are John the Baptist. Others go a little further and say that you're Elijah. And still others further than that, the prophet Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Now I'm going to say this about all of those guesses for the people that the disciples were reporting to Jesus. I would give them an A for effort. I wouldn't make them go home and redo the assignment. Well, maybe, but... You see, John, he was a good preacher. He had a very prominent ministry out in the wilderness. That's actually a pretty good guess for this other guy who's out there preaching and doing a little healing on top of it. Elijah was a very important prophet in the Old Testament sense, and he was going to foreshadow the Messiah. We know that was John the Baptist, of course, but that was another very good guess. And Jeremiah, other prophets, great. That was reasonable. If someone guessed Herod, they would have gotten an F on the assignment. He was not Herod. But sincere as these guesses that the people had were, even I would say as close as they were, they have this in common. They were all wrong. They were incorrect in who they thought Jesus was. Jesus is not John. Jesus is not Elijah. Jesus is not Jeremiah or any of the other prophets come back to life. Peter says it right. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, 
In sermons and devotions and books, it's so, so easy to pile on Peter because if you've read the Gospels, he's getting it wrong left and right. He's always opening up his mouth and before anything useful comes out, he says, I'm just going to stick my foot in there first. That is Peter to a T. It's what he does. But he gets it right here. He gets it right in what he says to the Lord on behalf of the disciples, and we should give him credit, credit where it's due. And actually, that is what Jesus does in the moment, at least as far as it goes. He says, flesh and blood haven't revealed it, but my Father revealed it to you, so you kind of had a little help with the answer. But Peter is right in this instance. He is correct where others were not. They had their guesses about Jesus' identity, but they fell short. And that's the thing. That is the point today. Jesus' identity does not depend upon popular perception, guesses and ideas of who he is, the masses back then. And moreover, for us today, his identity does not depend on popular opinion now, or even desires for what he would be. You see, Jesus is not a God, a Messiah, a person, any of that, who we can mold and shape according to our ideas of what we want God to be like, what we want a Savior to be. You ask today, who do people say that Jesus is? Well, Some people say he is a vending machine in heaven. You got a problem? Pray to him, and he might help you. Don't go to church. Don't read the Bible. Don't actively try and live as a Christian. Just when you're in a pickle, pray, and once you get what you want, go back to the status quo. A God you only talk to when you need something. Who do people say that he is? Some people say a God of good feelings, that Christianity itself is really exclusively or chiefly about how it makes you feel. If you read the Bible, a book, a devotion, if you go to a church and listen to a sermon, well, it's good if it makes you feel good. And if it don't make you feel good, it's no good, it's not true, and you can therefore disregard it. Some people say he is a blue ribbon judge, like the 4-H judges I've mentioned before at the fair. I got a blue ribbon for every project I ever did, no matter how bad it was. Felt good in the moment, wasn't good for my long-term development. Okay? Some people think that God is that way and Jesus is that way, that we really do just kind of give an A for effort for showing up and giving no thought to the things he wants us to believe or the way that he wants us to live. That is who many people say that Jesus is. But Peter got it right, and we do well to follow Peter instead of the masses who got it wrong then or the masses who do get it wrong now. Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, sent to Israel to redeem Israel and the world out of sin and darkness. He is the Son of the living God, the only begotten, who entered death itself on our behalf to conquer death. And he is himself now ever living. That's who he is. And glory be to him forever that that's what he is and not all of the other bad guesses. Because he is the Christ, the son of the living God, as Peter so succinctly put it, 
We have redemption and forgiveness of sins right now in this life, on our deathbed, and for the eternity that awaits us after our last breath. And moreover, we have the church as his creation, which he built on the rock of Peter and his confession. Church, which brings us the hope of these things, forgiveness, life, and salvation. And so my question for anybody has, I'll just say it, bad speculations or guesses about who Jesus is. My question for you here, who maybe sometimes toys with various ones of these, is why settle for them? Why settle for anything less than the Savior Jesus, who loved you so much that he kept the law for you, bled out and died for you, rose for you, and said, if you believe in me, you get to have eternal bliss with God in heaven forever. Why settle for anything of that? Any other Jesus, the blue ribbon Jesus, the good feelings Jesus, any of those Jesuses are just a disappointment, a massive letdown, a jip by comparison to the suffering, dying, and rising Savior, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Thank God that Jesus is that. And so with Peter, let's make that confession truly our own, not just in words, but in our mind, in our heart, and in our lives that flow out of our mind and heart. The true confession of who Jesus actually is. Lots of people get it wrong. Of course they do. They did back then with all their guesses. They do now with all of their guesses and once. But I would say this, don't be influenced by their mistake. Hold on to the actual, real, truthful Jesus Christ. The Jesus who came, bled, and died to forgive your sins. Why? Because that is the better Jesus. That's the Jesus that actually is true. The one who actually exists and the one who you, with your own eyes, will see face to face one day as he says, arise, enter into the joy of your master. Amen.